0: Hey, this is Rabbi Zev Bannett.
1: and Ariella Anoushi.
0: We're here together to share episode two of the Embodied Torah series, a uh, collaboration between Ariella and I, uh, part of the future of Yisod Blocks, trying to take all these Torah concepts and actually put them out into the world in ways that are practical and, uh, and yet still deep and still profound. We're also excited to be able to do this with you in a video form. So if you're Hi there. if you're watching this on video, then uh, you already know that. If you're listening as a podcast and you want to watch on video, then head over to YouTube and you can actually get exactly the same content, but with pictures. So that just adds a lot of fun stuff. So since we're going to be doing exercises to some degree, uh, showing people how to actually do some of this stuff. Is that right, Ariella? A
1: little bit. Like okay. simple stuff in the chair. Don't worry. You don't have to right. change into your exercise clothing. Not
0: like big exercises, <laughs> but just things that involve doing something. Um, so in this episode, we're going to be talking, actually, Ariella, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you'd like to focus on in this episode? Well,
1: you brought up the, the idea, the reality of breath at the end of our last episode, and it is just a huge topic that we have to open up and talk about, because um, Nishima, the breath, um, what is it?
0: Right. So Ooh. I guess the big question to start off is, so like, what is the significance of breathing, because breathing is something that we all just kind of do, and we well, do really Well, it's the first thing thinking. that we do, you know. Right. When
1: when a baby is born, everyone's waiting for that first breath uh, to take place, and if you don't have that first breath, it's panic. It's um, it's a horrible tragedy. So we need to be able to breathe to be to be alive.
0: Right. So that's so. I guess um, you know a lot of what we talk about at Yisod Blocks is about how the Eitz das creates a situation in which we evaluate the world through preference perceptions as opposed to seeing things as they are. And breathing is probably the front line of that. It's kind of like when you have a car and your car drives well, then the car just becomes a thing that you're just used to. And you have it and you drive it. And it's great. And then when it breaks down, then you notice it, obviously. And it suddenly becomes very noticeable. And so breathing is probably the first line of, I guess, I don't say defense, but the first line in which that that truth of things that are just always there that are in the background. It's so. the first
1: the first act of independence existence that we do.
0: Right. And it's also... before
1: a baby is born. All of his needs, all of her needs are met by by the mother effortlessly. And suddenly the baby is born and and their body has there is a cascade of of events that take place within milliseconds to allow the baby to take that first breath. And right. and it is automatic. The automatic the autonomic nervous system is what is responsible for for our breathing. We don't have to, thank God, we don't have to think every time we breathe in. My dad had a joke about this woman who used to wear headphones all the time. Mm, Just right, say, breathe yeah. in, breathe out, <laughs> breathe in, breathe out. A
0: famous joke. Yes.
1: Um, <laughs> so thank God we don't have to be thinking about it all the time or we would accomplish absolutely nothing. But the really interesting thing about breath is that we do have control over it. Go ahead and hold your breath for a second. Right. Yeah.
0: I can't do for that long. We
1: can't do it for that long because it's still under the automa- autonomic nervous system's responsibility. So we have yeshlanu nigia. We have the ability to have an effect on it, but it's also happening automatically.
0: Right. I mean, I think it's also interesting, just in terms of the when you said about we can't really say thank you each time for every breath that we take, because breathing is almost like, if we think about it as, we have to replenish our body's ability to to do things essentially we do that usually with food when we when we eat food we regenerate you know parts of our body that are damaged and we basically are adding new raw material to help rebuild the body in different ways and breathing is is a much more intangible and yet much more significant aspect of replenishing the body's I guess energy sources in a certain way, and and so with food, we we're actually maintaining do.
1: regulation throughout all the systems, right. the nervous system, the I mean everything.
0: So it's much more. It's actually much more encompassing, yeah. and it's also much more constant because we. And with food, we actually have a bracha that we say before to tie the eating of the food to consciousness of Hashem's presence at, at, through the particular activity that we're that we're doing, or the particular food that we're eating, and then we also have a special bracha that we usually say after if it, after eating, in order to. Now take the experience of feeling satisfied and feeling like we're rebuilding our body through that um, to connect that experience to Hashem, and breathing is like so much more primal and so much more fundamental, and uh, there aren't really any brachos. I probably the, the probably the reason is because um, it's just so constant that you can't really do it that way. But or maybe it could even be I can think of a few possibilities why there's no brachos too. But we'll maybe leave that as a, yeah. as a as a different topic by itself. But but I guess um, so. What if you if you had to like explain to our viewers slash listeners, so how to think about breathing in a way that was more deep and profound? So how would you go? How would you start going about that?
1: Well, when was the first time you realized that you were breathing?
0: I don't know. I guess just now.
1: Just now. <laughs> no. no. But
0: I, I am realizing it right now, much more than I was probably ten minutes ago. So right.
1: So most of us are not used to becoming aware of our breath. The fact that we are breathing, the rhythm of our breath, the quality of our breath. I remember the first time I became aware of the fact that I was breathing. Mm-hmm. I was probably around first grade, around when I got my first sitter, which is sitting on that shelf. Love nice. it. Um, and, and, Modani, right? Modani, lefanecha melechai vekayam shechazalta bi nishmati. And I remember sitting with my mom, and she was like, Yeah, n- nishama, nishima, just make sure you're breathing. Right. I'm like, What? Wait, that's the same word. What, what is happening? Right. And I remember just laying in bed and, and wondering, Where is my nishama in my body? Where does it exist? And then I was realizing that as I was trying to focus on this, I stopped breathing. I just wasn't breathing, and then and then I let this breath flow in through my body, and I'm like, "Wait a minute, maybe there's something to this. Maybe by allowing myself to breathe, I'm allowing Hashem's presence to like fill this body that I happen to exist in." Right. And um, I spent a lot of time. I was a weird kid. Just full disclosure. In general, or
0: in terms of this.
1: In general. Well, i i can own it <laughs> excellent <laughs> i think i turned out pretty okay yeah. but um it's good to i own that.
0: i think we're all weird kids but yeah well we right also down.
1: didn't have like devices in our hands constantly right. distracting so like you're bored and right, like just you just notice there. like i'm just breathing what does it mean to be breathing <laughs> right. like it's going in and out and i feel it in my lungs but like oh suddenly i feel it stuck in my throat what wow i'm angry right now and it's flowing very differently than when i Than when I was, you know, happy and just relaxed and then realizing that when I, when I relaxed the muscles of my jaw to allow that breath to flow the way I knew that it had before, it had a direct impact on my emotional state. I'm like, what? This is shifting how I feel, but no, I want to be angry right now, so I'm not going to let that be. And then realizing, wow, if I want to let Hashem in, I can't hold on to this anger. I have to figure out how to how to let it go. And if I was working directly with the reason that I was angry with the emotion of anger, there was no way I was willing to let that go. Right. But when I shifted to to think about, okay, physically I don't like this feel this sensation of tension. I don't like that I'm aware that my breath is not flowing and I know that I have the capacity to shift that. And slowly as I worked with the physical state of my body and the flow of breath, the the energetic body, my emotion, my emotional state relaxed. But if I had addressed it directly from the breath, I would have shut down.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, well, actually I want to, I guess maybe a good thing to do now, just to sort of explain for a second the Nishima, Nishama concept, because... I don't know if we did this in the last episode. I feel like we probably did a little bit just um, something that I like to always use as a really like snappy example is looking into each other's eyes because we all do that. And then the purpose of the example usually is to illustrate how no one's really trying to see people's eyeballs or trying to actually see the self, which is usually described as the neshama. Um, but the example is actually, it's useful to sort of draw... Everyone's attention towards something that we're all experiencing, and all human beings are drawn to this invisible, intangible self that is kind of just coming through. Um, and so, that's a very cool universal truth about human beings that the Torah has been describing for thousands of years. But it only takes one tiny slice of what I think is the stack of the neshama. And it, in in Kabbalah structures, so the neshama is not just this this thing that's kind of just coming through the eyes or something. It's actually um, there's actually five official layers although it's really um the hishtal the shalut of them in other words the the uh the process of them manifesting is seamless it's not that there's five separate right. layers but the neshama, exa- the neshama example when i say in terms of looking to people's eyes you can think of that as kind of like the middle layer because it's really that's pure consciousness in the sense that there's not really a a immediate physical measurable aspect to that but then there's um like the lower areas what's called the ruach or the nefesh, so that's really going into the areas that that the breathing um, aspect is deeply intertwined with because the ruach is usually associated with the dynamism of thought and emotion. Um, and then the nefesh is, is really what we discussed a little bit last time too, was the dynamism of the physiology. In other words, like to have different kinds of dynamic sensations. And, and you, you actually said a lot of interesting things already only at the beginning of them last time. Maybe we can go into some of that when we talk more about the breathing. Um, but what's really cool about the the these extra layers in other words just like when you look into somebody's eyes you're looking to see something which is not really what you're seeing right. um, with the lower aspects of the of the neshama which is meaning the nefesh and the ruach and things like that um so also you have a similar phenomenon of intangible realities that are that have physiological correlates like as an example just to talk about emotions like this was always like a a thing i, I wondered about when i was also much younger i was like what really is a feeling exactly? Like what's it, what? Like oh, I have feelings. I, I'm angry. I'm upset. I have feelings for someone. I get excited. Like, like the usage of the word feeling and emotions, like things like that. And we throw the word around a lot. And emotions actually also have two sides that are almost like analogous to the eyes and then the chakra consciousness. Like there's a physiological change that goes on in the body when we have an emotional shift. But that's not that's not um, identical or synonymous with the experience that we have of an emotion in other words the physical changes that happen in the body when an emotional shift happens or we can measure those but what's it like to feel angry you know what's the experience of me the neshama now being exposed the self being exposed to the angry sensation that comes out of the physiology of that or or even um the sense that you're like you know when you sleep on your arm and your arm's asleep and it just means that now it's not oxygenated in other words the air that is all around us has not been which is invisible that uh, somehow when it comes in we, and we know now chemically how that works but that doesn't make it any less profound that there's an invisible um element that is surrounding us that literally vi- uh, vitalizes and revitalizes our body parts so that now they become unified like this and this are this is all part of one whole and the unifying aspect is the avir that essentially we're pulling in and in kabbalah also the same like the the one of the most fascinating things that I've read recently when I'm just exploring some um, Rav Ashlag's writings about Kabbalah concepts is that he talks about how the or everything is, is or and so right. but then there's this process that Hashem basically puts a shield over that to make it that we we don't, we don't get inundated and overwhelmed and basically washed away by that and so but how does the process look what is, like, it's not just like a random filter it, the way he describes it is and the Rizal really describes it like this um, the, the he takes the Yud of Chachma whatever that is and he shoves it into in the middle of the ore, and then it takes it basically makes this vacuum of ore in that space and instead of it being or it's avir and you look at the word like he says because the word avir is just or with a yud shoved into the middle of it and so that's we're in the middle of that we're literally bathing in the avir that is actually just this invisible intangible it's essentially intangible um and that is at the same time sustaining us and revitalizing us constantly and and allowing us to continue to be unified with our body, that our body parts are not segmented off from each other, like when our arm falls asleep or whatever. Um, And so that's the Nishima, Nishama connection. All of it, all of that kind of shows you there's, this is like a massive thing that we're we're living constantly. Like we're bathed in the ore that is blocked from our eyes because of the avir dynamic of the Tsim Tsum that we're talking about. And then we pull that into ourselves which we'll talk more about the mechanics yeah. of that in a second. Which is like a fascinating thing by itself. And like we're literally like, oh, let me let me draw from that into my body, and suddenly I'm alive, and suddenly yeah. I'm able to be in a way that's again like you, like you, your examples, right? Like you're so much more alive when you when you're breathing in a way that's really spreading that oxygen into your body effectively and properly. Yeah. So that's like the nishama nishima connection. Is like mm-hmm. so. It's so. Once you see all those things, you can't unsee them. It's like, oh, wow, we're, just, we're just breathing Hashem. It's yeah. wild.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. Hashem, is, Hashem, Hashem is breathing us. Right, so let's take right? it to that. We so, go into so, the biomechanics of what's happening when yeah. we're breathing. So, so why
0: don't you tell our, our viewers a yeah. little bit, so, like how that
1: works. Go ahead and take a deep breath for a second. Yeah. What, what muscles did you notice working when you took that breath?
0: Right, so... I mean, I happen to already know some biology things, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give this away. But the diaphragm is the muscle that's at the bottom of the rib cage,
1: right? But typically, most people in this modern age, (laughs) we're using our neck and shoulders. Hmm. We're using actually our secondary breathing muscles. So exactly, the diaphragm is the main breathing muscle, and we want to be using that when we're breathing. But we have, um, we hold so much tension. We hold so much, so many patterns of protection and guarding, um, of, of pain and fear that we actually end up relying on these secondary breathing muscles to take a deep breath.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: A lot of times people lift up their shoulders and their stomach actually goes in when they inhale. Right. But if we go back to the way Hashem designed us to, to be, to function the diaphragm, which is a dome shaped, um, muscle actually lowers when we inhale. And when it lowers the space, my elbows are connected to the ribs, right? So that space widens. There is a widening. There's an expansion that takes place when we actually take that deep breath. And when the diaphragm lowers, we're lowering the pressure inside the lungs. And then atmospheric pressure is actually greater than the pressure inside of our lungs. And air is vacuumed in. Air is pushed in, right? So, I, I mean, I like thinking about it that Hashem is constantly surrounding us. With this gift of of breath, this that's what gift that, of life. That's pressure is. He's like, exactly. He's like trying take to it, shove take it, the air right? at us. So, but it's, I, I mean, I just said take it, but we actually want to learn how to receive it because if we're taking it and we're using our secondary breathing muscles, we're restricting the amount of air that's able to flow into the lungs. Right. Most people are using maybe 20% of their lung capacity.
0: Wow, that's really. That's and like
1: wild, yeah. and the lungs are just sitting with stale air. Right. But when we allow ourselves to use the diaphragm, which lowers and creates a reality where we are receiving breath, kabbalah, right, <laughs> then the lungs actually fully receive and are able to fully release. So when I'm working with people who are who are shallow breathers or reverse breathers where they're using their secondary breathing muscles, a lot of the work is actually on, on finding the effort, the strength in the exhale. We have to first figure out what we need to let go of to make space to receive all the brachot that Hashem is constantly offering us.
0: Right. So you're, what you're basically saying is that... Uh, it's the direct corollary of the Kabbalah concept that we just shared. But like now it really takes it into a concrete form that if, if we're surrounded by Hashem's self, by Hashem's or and then it's in this intangible form and then we basically are trying to make room for it to, to flood in. So that's, that also has a component of you have to also let things out. And when we breathe, we're actually letting out the things that we're, that we're not using. Exactly. And so to put the things that are not helpful or that are damaging or that are harmful essentially to to clean, to clean them out. And actually, our, I guess that, that fits the dynamic of our body in general. We're trying to bring things into our body that are healing it, building it, expanding it, and then trying to release the things that are damaging it and that are toxic to it. And then that's true also on the thought level and trying to bring thoughts in like that. So it, it's really all just one. It's like, like what we're trying to share here is like this stack of the self through, through the mind, the thoughts, the emotions, the body, that all of them essentially are going through this process of pulling in more and more of what's real. And trying to then straighten out and, and change the ways that everything is structured to remove the distortions and to remove the damage.
1: Exactly. Yeah. It's also recognizing that they're all having a direct impact on each other. Right. That they're they're, they're, they're interconnected. Really, right. They're
0: all interconnected because you basically have to become, in general, like the when when I try to talk about um, all of these Torah concepts, like just in general, you saw blocks stuff. So what I like to try to, I, I really want, I emphasize it because this is how I think about it myself is that like, the the problem with the eights is like it creates pockets of distortion and pockets of distortion you think about like in your house like there's all these little areas and like even if you clean like a bunch of areas it doesn't mean that there aren't still pockets somewhere where there's where there's just clumps of dirt and whatever and so we kind of have to constantly be on the lookout and not like in a in a neurotic way in a very like most like gently just recognizing that the areas in our mind where we don't really want to go like those spaces that are a little bit uncomfortable. So that's like where there are pockets of distortion now that you have to kind of go in there and, 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 ask yourself like, what, what am I thinking? You know, some area that if I'm, if I'm uncomfortable about my, I don't know, let's say, you know, when I, when I was, uh, when I was growing up, I was always, I was worried about my, I have, I have like a Jewish nose. So I was always a little uncomfortable about that. And it's like, I remember I once had this experience where somebody in, like a kid, a little kid in Shull asks his father in front of me, I was like 14, he's like, oh, why does that, that boy have such a big nose now? And I felt uncomfortable. Now, why do I feel uncomfortable? Because it's an, I have a perception of my nose as being problematic and not the right way that it should be. And then I don't want to think about that because I don't, I don't like that. So what do I do? I basically pretend that I don't have that nose. And, I, and, I, and it's funny, because, right, it's, like, despite the like despite the nose on your face, like, I just try not to think about it. And then when that when that child pointed that out, like, in, like in a public way like that, suddenly I had to face this thing that I don't want to think about, right. and it was right in front of me. And so, and then eventually I kind of, like, the more I thought about it, and you see now I'm speaking about it, like, you know, it's, I, I don't care that I have, that I have a, part a, a particular <laughs> right. It's actually it's my birthright. My grandfather had a nose like this. My father has a nose like this. So, um, but then by finding a place like that where you're uncomfortable and then kind of just facing it. And I, I asked myself questions about it. I thought about my nose. Like I was like, this is, this is like, I, there's a whole series of thoughts that over time I basically um, accumulated about it to the point that I wanted it to be that the, it wasn't because I felt the pain or I, I knew that there was a problem there. So, so because, I, I, because I sensed that there was insecurity, I wanted to face it and then basically make it something that was part of me, not, not pretending that it's not. And then that's essentially all these things, like the, the distortions the, eight, the create those little pockets. Yeah. And so this is one of a thousand examples. I mean, we have pockets in our body in terms of our breathing, literally, physically, where there are parts of our lungs that are you're basically describing that are just not being
1: yeah. cleaned. Have you ever looked at what your, I mean, you have because you studied this, but have you ever looked at how big your lungs are inside your body? Like, like they're we, like this big like they're they're, they're all they the way fill. down at the bottom of your ribs right. and you can breathe into the back of your body right you can let that movement that expansion take place it's not most people are thinking my lungs are up here like right. no they're down here they're they're out here on the sides and we can, we have so much more capacity to receive but when when we disconnect ourselves from different aspects of ourselves whether it's physical mental emotional spiritual we freeze up, we right, we, we constrict, to, right. and and I, I know from my experience and a lot of the people that I end up working with in in my clinic is is this disembodiment, this disconnection of of I'm in so much pain, so I I don't think of myself as as the part of me that hurts.
0: It's like a crisis mode, it, basically. Yeah, yeah,
1: I can't think about that. And when we allow ourselves to bring to bring awareness back there even if it makes us a little bit uncomfortable, there's tremendous healing. I had a really powerful experience where I was working with a group of of people who are dealing with um, terminal illness and there was a man in a wheelchair um, and he could not move any part of him except for his head.
0: Wow.
1: And... He's like, I don't know why I'm here. This, you know, this yoga. Like, what's it even like? What? I, I can't. I can't do anything, anyways. I said, you can breathe, and you can imagine. And I invited him to allow himself to imagine his body moving, to guide the breath to all the different parts, exactly as everyone else was instructed, and. And we did this whole, this whole class and afterwards everyone was sharing about their experience and he was, he was almost in tears. He said, I hadn't allowed myself to think about my body for so long right. that I almost forgot that I can experience joy and it's not just sadness and it's not just pain. And it was so powerful for him, but he, 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 he didn't have the opportunity he didn't have the safety the encouragement to allow himself to explore because this is the part of me that hurts this is the part of me that doesn't right. work and this is the part of me is. that is that is ugly this is the part of me that i am supposed to be ashamed of and and we're cutting ourselves off from hashem's light when we do that right and and the the breath is such a useful and accessible tool to use and, and i want to actually just take this opportunity to um to say something really important about working directly with the breath because um it's not always so simple Mm -hmm. on the one hand it is incredibly accessible and we can all use it and it's an effective tool um if you have experienced trauma or are experiencing trauma um be be careful um because the breath because it is so powerful um has the capacity to to trigger um, trauma memories and 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 you just want to be mindful. I know I work a lot with people who have who have PTSD, mm-hmm. um, women who have unfortunately gone through sexual trauma, and and the breath is usually one of the last things that we incorporate into work together um, because first, like we talked about in the last episode, we need to create safety. In the body. Um, so actually, I would love to do a little a little exercise to help, sure. to help us come into the body from a place of safety. So you don't have to stand up, you can stand up if you want to. Um, but if you're sitting, just bring both of your feet onto the ground and become aware of the support that you're receiving both from from the earth and from your chair. Um, And if you're comfortable closing your eyes, go ahead and close your eyes. If it's uncomfortable for you to close your eyes, just lower your eyelids so that it's inviting your awareness inward. We're just going to take our hands and bring them to the sides of our heads, just above our ears. And we're just gently pressing just to feel that containment. We're going to take three to five breaths here, and maybe you can visualize, sense, allow the breath to expand in the space between your hands. And don't worry if you're not feeling it. These are invitations, offerings, noticing what's arising for you without expectation. And then we're gonna bring one hand to the back of the head and the other hand to the forehead. We're just kind of holding the head, the brain, our thoughts, and inviting the breath to expand in the space between our hands. Maybe you can notice that containment, holding support that your hands are providing as you allow your breath to flow with with ease, allowing for a depth of breath without creating any tension. And then we're going to keep one hand on the forehead and bring the other hand down to the heart. And again, we're inviting the awareness of the breath to flow, to expand in the space between the hands. Maybe you'll notice different muscles that you can soften to allow that breath to flow with more ease. Maybe you'll notice areas that are resistant. Whatever you're noticing is okay. And then bring the hand from your forehead down to the lower abdomen. Inviting the breath to flow between the heart and your gut. noticing the quality of breath available to you. And then keeping one hand on the lower abdomen, bring the other hand back to the back of the head. Inviting the head, your brain, your thoughts to soften towards the support of the hand Inviting the breath to flow with ease and without expectations. And when you're ready, let your hands release down and just take a moment to notice what you notice in your body, your breath, your thoughts. I don't know if you noticed but the tone of my voice
0: very hypnotic.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I could note it my heartbeat was changing. Everything just settled. And it's a quality of grounding. Right. Right? The nervous system was like, "Wait, my brain doesn't have to be racing and in charge and I can come back surrender the the control of my mind to the wisdom of my heart, to the wisdom of my gut." Right. I can allow a little bit more integration of myself as a whole. <sighs>
0: right.
1: That deeper breath allows us to be integrated be- beings instead of what Mark Walsh, the embodiment guy, would call a brain. The ta- body is not is more than a brain taxi.
0: Nice, right? right? A brain taxi. <laughs> like that it's a good term. I yeah. guess also just um, for any. I, I mean, there's lots of different kinds of. I guess, um, perceptions people have regarding their body and their body experiences. Like, um, I kind of just want to throw this out there. And there are some people who are very comfortable doing body exercises. Like, like you mentioned, people who have trauma, for example, have a harder time because what you're doing in that kind of exercise, there's a lot of being with yourself, Yeah. which is if there, if things in yourself, if they if you have dark corners, if you all have some that are particularly, um, tender, so yeah. then being with yourself can be difficult. Um, and I also wanted to mention that I think there are some people who, like, like, we, like our bodies are frightening sometimes to us because, you know, we're talking about lungs and these muscles. So I, um, I think that um, sometimes thinking of our bodies as what they actually are. We like to think of our bodies as, as pretty and, and, you know, as, as they're, this is our, it's, it's just me. Um, and the, the whole, the das of that is that we get attached and comfortable. It's a, it's a preference To think of our bodies not just as taxis, which obviously is like one particular preference side of it, but like as a reliable me that I just use and that, you know, if I get dressed, I fix my hair and like I I look good. Um, But inside, there's so much going on and that can be frightening to even be exposed to that. I mean, I don't want to use any graphic terms like how, you know, lungs are a fascinating thing. I (laughs) I I I don't want to make it too biological. But on the other hand, it's also important to almost like, to know the biology of it to some degree, because let's say when you spoke about the muscles of the neck and the shoulders, I remember when I I was learning some yoga things like, you know, years back. So there's different poses that you can do if you put your hands above your head. So then it allows the air, when you're breathing, it it can allow the air to, the assumption of these exercises that first you're trying to draw deep within, and then you want to try to, you want to hit 100% lung capacity. So when you expand outwards, that allows the lungs to essentially inflate fully because doing this, causes the rib cage to expand like you mentioned so understanding kind of where everything is you know biologically like the diaphragm being down here and then there's more diaphragm kind of muscle not diaphragm type muscles along the ribs and then there's also the but then there's then those are the those are the ones that create that vacuum and then to recognize that they're essentially these are like bags containers that the lungs are Um, and to sort of try to be comfortable with that a little bit in other words when you're breathing in to actually almost like to know that your body actually is a biological tool because it's terrifying sometimes for us, especially when our bodies start to fail or we see other people's bodies failing and then we say, wow, this thing, like I'm so at its mercy and that becomes one of the dark corners of our mind. And so to learn kind of like where things are and just in this episode, obviously we're focusing on the lungs, but to kind of like to learn the muscles of the neck and shoulders when we use them to pull air in that way, as opposed to letting air come in so that's intrinsically entangled with our personal proclivity for surrender. And it, and that's something which is, it, some of us have a hard time surrendering and actually like letting go oh, yeah. and being that way. And so this is the, the whole exercise. And by the way, if you felt like you had a hard time doing the exercise or if you didn't want to do it because you said, okay, you know, the exercise is like, I don't need that part. I just want the understanding. So I, I happen to be, and that's the reason literally why I love that we're doing this together because if you're listening to your blocks, you already know that like I, even though I'm a very intense experiential person too, but like I, I, I use my talking and my thinking as a way to, to apprehend the world intensely. And sometimes that can make it easier to just think about things than to actually live them. And it's more comfortable. And so, and I and I know a lot of you blocks listeners are have similar um, tendencies, not everyone, but some people do. Um, and the ability to actually be in your body and to actually know your body and to actually feel kind of what it's doing is not like a nice thing to do it's something which is i would say necessary from a from a Torah place not not from again we can talk about medical benefits and all these things from a Torah place in order to truly become kadosh in other words to take all the parts of yourself and integrate them so they all function together and are directed towards Hashem and are and are receptive of Hashem so you have to be in touch with your body and again not from a stress place like you better get in touch with your body i mean like you know, to actually start to develop a certain level of of self knowledge and self awareness of your body and what um, it's doing.
1: Yeah, I mean, we were just we've been reading about the mishkan, right? In these past parshiot, and and I, I, you we can think about our body as a mishkan, and we need to understand all the different parts, all the the little pegs that need to be, all the curtains and every all the aspects that that make up this physical body, so that. Shachanti vetohan right that, that hashem can really dwell fully and 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 as effortlessly as possible hashem created us to be to be able to have effortless existence right that,
0: that's awesome I never thought about it like that actually because this this year in the in the cash cycle that I'm doing I'm trying to help people learn the, the Mishkan Parshios, and I'm gonna do the same thing with Vayikra with the Korbanos by summarizing mm-hmm. in other words like Parsha's truma, It only has eight things in it. You know, it's like the aron, the shulchan, the menorah, the the Kapor, the um the paroches, the the mishkan covering, the poles, the chazer, and then there's the there's another thing there that I missed. Oh, that the bechanechos. Okay, eight things. Super easy, um, because the actual learning of the parsha is all detail level construction details, um, and I I have often had a hard time, obviously, with the the fact that like it repeats. You know, you have these the same thing again. But what's the difference between True Tetzaveh and is Pekude is the Vayas Parshios, where they're now going and doing those things on a detail level. And I think that that's, that's actually something which the Torah is trying to convey. In other words, it's saying the detail, because this is in contrast to the Agel. The Egel was like this vague, like, you know, the mentor says, like, they threw the gold in and then this thing popped out. It was like right. this lump that looked like an Egel. And it's like the most, you know, the way that we think of our bodies, it's just like, it's again, hopefully not, as a, not as a lump, but it's like, we think of it very superficially because it's just there. And then here it's like, if you want to construct the vehicle that's going to channel Hashem, you have to construct it with, with just like when you build a radio, like radios can't just be like a random piece of metal. There has to be a whole set of components that act to channel and to grab the, the transmission, the signal, receive it of Hashem, and then bra- or of the radio signal, and then broadcast that into the world. And so I, I think that, again, I never thought of that until you said it, but I think that's actually, that, that I'm going to think about this more, and it'll probably show up in some cast episode or something, but um, if I had to guess why the Torah did that, and why there's so much detail level in the Chumash on these things, that's probably why. Because it's obvious. Of course everything has to be detailed like that. Just We're so used to not thinking about construction of, the Mishkan is a body for Hashem, and and the korbanos are are parts of the. the you can think of it as the food for the body. There's the different discussions right. of what korbanos are, but either way, it's so obvious to the Torah that that's how things have to be constructed with with precision and detail. That that's why it's just like, well, of course we're going to write yeah. it this way. Yeah. And I think that's, that that has to be what it is. So it's, it's amazing.
1: I, it's 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 really exciting. I know that they're. When I'm trying to help someone um, find more support in in their body and in their movement, sometimes I'll be like, "Can you just notice your big toe and and use your big toe to right. take your step forward?" They're like, "What are you talking about?" I'm like, "Just just try it." They're like, "How are you noticing my big toe?" I'm like, "Just," and they're like, oh my so god, big. that are you com- not noticing that it? completely changes the experience of of the." the entire movement, the entire source of support and, and and where the effort is coming from. And suddenly it's like, Oh, I'm, I'm receiving that support instead of like trying to pull myself up. Right. And like, it's, is my pinky like this? Is it lengthening? That's going to directly affect my shoulder blade and which is going to affect this, which is gonna Everything is connected. And when we learn how to, how to really tune in to all these details that yeah might put us to sleep and shull. um <laughs> but, but it, there's a, there's deep deep wisdom when we're right. willing to show up and unfortunately we often don't really encounter this work or or we don't have the courage to be engaged with it well, until it's, we it's don't very, have any choice right
0: exactly well it's because it's very it's very proactive in other yeah. words I can't
1: breathe for you right
0: exactly everyone is is proactive in areas where they where they have an incentive in other words like the perception that you have if you're a, if you have a perception of a particular office as your workplace and of a particular person there as your boss and then there are consequences that you perceive as significant to you then you're incentivized to be proactive in your thinking and how to come up with solutions for problems that that particular organizational structure is struggling with so but things that you don't have that a perception of of that type of significance within yourself, you just don't pay attention to it. That's what Das yeah. Tovara literally is. So the key to this is again, learning Torah at a deep level is what what brings our perceptions into accuracy essentially. And so paying and paying attention to our body is a, is an it's it's something which is simply we're challenged intrinsically because since das tovara means we just develop taking for granted preference oriented perceptions your body is the, is the thing that is always there. In other words, every, it's, it's like, you know, with Shabbos, the end of Shabbos, like Shabbos energy accumulates throughout Shabbos. That's why the end of Shabbos is the high point of Shabbos, not like the middle or the Friday night. It's right. like the ending of Shabbos. It's like we had the most Shabbos now, kind of like, you know, it's fully loaded. <laughs> right. So the body's, it's like every day you're with your body even more. So it's, it's like, it's, it can really go one of two ways. Either from a Das Tovarat place, you just get more acclimated to it and you see it less and less. Or it's like well, the more you're with your body, the more you can learn about your body and develop deeper and deeper perceptions of what it can do. You know, like you said how you were a weird kid. I was also a weird kid in different ways. And like, for me, it was always like, I, I was like, oh, what if, what if my, like right now I feel like I'm over here. What if I'm over here, right? And it's like, well, what's I, right? Like I'm over here now. So I almost felt like I had this like dot inside of me that I could just move around. And like that dot was kind of my point of, of consciousness. Yeah. And it's like, now it's here, and now it's here, and now, it's here and now it's here, and now it's over here. And then it was like when I learned some of the Kabbalah concepts and I was like exposed to the analogy of, say, um, Hashem is manifest as all of reality, but there are shields that are in place that block pieces of reality from experiencing themselves as part of that totality. So like, here's my hand. And then if there was a little block over here, so then this could experience itself as separate from the rest of it. Right. And I can actually relate to that now because I can move that dot into my fingertip and be like, oh, that's where I am now. And then. And then we can look at the world around us and think, well, that's actually what everything is from a Shem standpoint, except that a Shem can have the dot in all places at all times because we're stuck in the flow of time in a linear sense. So I can only think about one thing at one time. But what if you could think about all things at all times because you're beyond time and so all thoughts are simultaneous?
1: So, so. you're you're reminding me of one of my favorite breathing um, techniques that, that I'd like to use. It's called starfish pattern breathing. Nice. Where where you you bring your awareness to your navel center, which was our initial source of sustenance mm-hmm. um, before being born, um, where we effortlessly received everything that we needed, right? And we bring using our breath, we bring our awareness from our navel center to all of our extremities, one at a time, and you notice where does my awareness kind of jump? Right. Where does it? Is it the front? Is it the back? Is it the side? Is it is it filling my entire being? And it's can I flow out? Can I flow back to this source? And you do all the limbs, including your head and your tailbone. Those are that's also why extremities. It's
0: starfish because you have starfish. The five. We are well six because right. uh, we right. also have our tailbone. Right. Okay. Nice. And
1: then yeah. and then once you do all six limbs, so to speak, then the final stage is is noticing where can it expand simultaneously throughout your entire being right and and we get it's it's a wonderful practice um i have a recording maybe we'll we'll link it in the um for this episode but um we can gain so much information about where we're holding tension where we're hiding ourselves through the body and and we you know we understand through you know chinese medicine and and five element healing and 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 kabbalah uh, different meridians different areas of holding right. like the 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 liver kaved um Is known for a place of holding anger when it's when it's overworked, Mm. um, or or neglected. And and how does how does holding anger in your liver affect your physiology? How does it affect the physiology? There's an
0: experience of it, and then that's all part of the whole structure. Exactly.
1: So we can gain so much information by using our breath. And I I was just um, at a sheer yesterday, and we mentioned sarat, sarat, a a blessing or a curse, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? And and there's there's there is an aspect of, of a huge bracha of having sarat that okay i know where my work is like okay. i know what i need to do and and i like to think of the breath as, as that when i when we become aware of our flow of breath the the quality of breath where it reaches we can become aware of where oh i'm holding tension there can i can i settle there and Keep in mind, you might want to be doing this with a professional to help make sure that that you're staying safe. Right. Um, because a lot, the body holds holds memories, holds emotions, and as we bring the breath to different parts of our body, um, lots of stuff can come up. Um, so, just again, the reminder: if you have experienced trauma, you know, find someone who is trained to work with. Um, with uh trauma sensitive yoga or therapy um to explore this but it is so worthwhile exploring because that's the whole purpose of why we're here right Right. to allow our endless being to to shine
0: right i guess it's also a good part to reinforce and mention again like this point that we brought up last time a little bit in terms of things like chinese medicine or um that these things are they're older than today's new age things in the sense that these are things that you can find in the gemara in other words like these ideas that um we talk about tefillah as an example so tefillah the way we think about it now just sort of reading words out of the sidur versus actual tefillah which is the inner alignment that's a function of words but also a function of of thoughts and focus and really like rashi says like rofaneche lo filati," like like i never thought i'd ever be able to think the thoughts again of seeing you as yaakov talking they thought you would never see yosef again it's the word is, is palal and so sometimes people think of these things as well no there's just the torah is this small thing and there's all these new things but actually chazal um, this discussion of how the kidneys are the base point for wisdom you know like the 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 Knowledge of the body and not just the knowledge of the body in, in today's medical biological sense, but awareness of the body. And and I mean, just if you look at Mesech school and like these discussions of like biology and physiology, that when you understand that Chazal, such you you're looking at the Midrashim and the Zohar, are working with these frameworks of existential foundations that are layering and embedded in all these things. So, and even what we articulated earlier about Nishama and Avir and all those things. That Chazal had all of that information, and if, if these are the experts of the, these people who are really, really, really fixated almost on how to undo the damage of the Etzadas, like the whole process of Torah learning and Gemara and analysis and all the different things that we see in in, in the Gemara and in the, and in the Rishonim, and these are people who their their whole fo- focus was how to be with Hashem through the knowledge of the Torah, and they and they they lived that by embodying the Torah to such an extent that you can. You know, we read some of the writings of somebody like the Ramban, or just the things that are, you know, Rabbi Kiva stories in the, in the Gemara and Rabbi Kiva statements. And this is a level of embodiment that is so integrated and so total that, like, the thoughts they're thinking are Hashem thoughts, and the things they're feeling are Hashem feelings, and the ways that they're behaving are Hashem behaviors. And that's literally the stack that we're talking about here. And so it's hard for us to imagine because today Torah is almost like segmented and and pigeonholed, but it's actually this mass framework that includes all of this. And so. Doing this is actually not—it's not, it's not like, we, like I keep trying to show, you know, like finding those dark corners. is not like a—it's not a bonus. It's not like something that you can just do. That's a nice that extra is the thing. Work. It's the whole thing, right? That—that yeah. that is the avoda, and it's avoda on all levels: on the asiyah, the yitzira, the bria. Like every level, every the nefesh, ruach, neshama, chayah, These are each different layers of being, and they each need to be constant. And it's a lot. It's—it's it's like it's like carrying like five bags at once, and like each one has stuff that that's like almost falling out, and like you kind of kind of keep getting all of it. But, like, the, be, the more you do it, the better you get it until it just becomes natural. And then you, you're just living Torah. You're yeah. embodying Torah. Exactly. So, yeah.
1: So much to say. Yeah, it's intense but stuff. I, but I think it's going to be for the next episode, talking okay. about uh, tfilah. Right, tfilah. Coming tfila, into yeah. alignment right. and, and grounding and yielding and...
0: It's a good a good uh, preview or parting snippet yeah. for next time. <laughs> you have any finishing, ending thoughts you want to share?
1: Um, so many thoughts. (laughs) Um, I just want to encourage our listeners, viewers to, to explore the effortless breath that I, so many people come to, to work with me and they're like, how am I supposed to breathe properly? Like, what's the best way? I'm like, you are alive. (laughs) So whatever's continuing to keep you alive, that is the best way right now. And we wanna explore what is my effortless breath? What allows me to receive as much as possible without reaching the place of tension? Because when we reach the place of tension, we're shifting into taking, right? Right. And just bringing our awareness to, to the effortless breath of how much can I receive right now in this moment? How much can I let go without going into the place of ego, without going into the place of tension, just bringing our awareness there starts to expand it right? from a place of support and safety and trust and from the inside out instead of this is how it's supposed to be and I have to fit into this mold. And, and I, it's really the foundation of, of so much of the work that I do um, to, to become familiar with your own personal effortless breath.
0: Right, yeah, I think that's, a, that's an awesome takeaway in the episode. Okay, so uh, first of all, I have to obviously direct everyone. Uh, Ariella's website is Yoga with Ariella, so check that out if you want to learn more about what Ariella does and want to join her for some actual involved uh, processes of these types of things, do it in, in real life uh, at an individual level, so it's, uh, it's awesome stuff. And, of course, also subscribe at Yesod Blocks if you want to get more access to Yesod Blocks content. You can head over there, Yesod There's great stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's Ratashem. And uh, hopefully uh, we're in a little bit of a turmoil time in the world right now. Uh, so hopefully, um, even, even if we don't get to actual Shalom where everybody's living harmoniously, although that would be awesome too, but at least, um, if we could hope for and ask for and, and try to receive, um, just not conflict and not fighting and that our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine, uh, should also be safe uh, during this difficult time. And, uh, we're, uh, looking forward to having you guys join us in the next episode. So thanks everybody. And see you next time.